Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're heard in over 60 countries around the world. We're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. And today, we're broadcasting from Los Angeles. For the past few weeks, we've been protesting against the imbalance between men and women, not only in the staffing of tech companies, but on the boards of tech companies. Last week, we uh, heaped praise on Mark Benioff at salesforce.com for evaluating the wages of all 17,000 employees and spending $3 million to ensure that all staff receive equal pay for equal work. I said last week this was a great start, but we needed to have it spread throughout the whole industry. Now, the Game Awards are meant to celebrate the year's best in video gaming, but they're reinforcing that women occupy a smaller place than men in the tech industry today. On Thursday, the organisation revealed its nominees for this year's awards, which will be streamlined, streamed online on a variety of platforms on December 3. Along with nominations came detail about the panel of judges who helped select the nominees. A roster of the 32 people on the jury lists only one woman. One woman, 31 men despite the fact that women make up 48% of gamers and this uh, percentage is growing very quickly. Are the Game Awards people just bloody plain stupid or are they a bunch of male chauvinist pigs or perhaps both? This imbalance speaks to a larger problem in the video gaming industry. They were content to move forward with only one female on the 32 person panel, what, what sort of a message does that send? That fair representation of women shouldn't be seen as a priority in the gaming industry? That's absurd given that half of the gamers are women. And women are spearheading some of the biggest video game releases now. Perhaps the Game Awards simply doesn't feel that gender is relevant when deciding which video games warrant merit. This year's ceremony should be changed from the Game Awards to a far more appropriate Men Choose Their Favourite Video Games in 2015. It is stupid. Now, I'm always amazed when I pick up a newspaper or watch TV or occasionally listen to the radio just how many advertisers are using these mediums to target millennials. In my presentation to business groups such as the one I'm giving in Alaska in about 10 days, I really emphasise that when trying to figure out how to successfully market to millennials, you have to first realise traditional marketing does not work. Millennials are not influenced by ads. They go to their friends on social media and blogs as their first reference points. They value authenticity and they won't pay attention to your content unless they trust your brand. These are very clear reasons to realise that if you want to succeed in marketing to millennials, you must build social word of mouth and brand advocacy. You must focus on social media and it doesn't just happen. It's no different than building real life relationships. You've got to listen more than you talk. Sure, people follow you on social media to benefit from your expertise and to find out about the happenings within your company but they also want to build a connection with you. So you should seek out the places where your target market gathers, read their content, share that content, and contribute to their conversations just as much as you interact with them on your own page. Now, the first rule of appealing to millennials is that you must focus. It's absolutely impossible to please everybody, so don't even try. Waste of time. Instead, stay focused on your main audience and post stories, photos, infographics that appeal to them. 
it's okay if your social media profiles aren't valuable to everyone, as long as they offer insight to the people that actually count. Secondly, you must make quality connections. The best fans on social media are the ones who do not only interact with you, but also share your content amongst their fans and friends. You've got to work hard to grow and nourish these important relationships instead of just trying to get as many followers as possible. It's much better to have a thousand really loyal fans than it is to have 10,000 so-called fans that don't give a rat's ass about what you're saying. Thirdly, you've got to be patient. When it comes to your different marketing strategies, social media marketing is sure to take the longest to produce results. And that's okay. Just consider social media the tortoise in the race. Yeah, it may take longer to see an ROI, but when you do, it will really be well worth the wait. Fourthly, you must seek out those influencers. Every, every industry has its own set of celebrities, the people with the most followers. Find out who dominates social media in your industry and then start to interact with them. Over time, build a relationship with them and make them aware of your expertise in the industry. If they like what they see, they'll share your content with their huge fan base, which will multiply your fan count almost overnight. Fifth, you must provide value. Social media is not the place to sell, sell, sell. Instead, it's a place to give your followers useless information, useful information. Help them solve a problem, make their lives easier, or just make them laugh. Once they find their way to your website, which they're bound to do if your content's great, then you can focus on the conversion process. Now, if you follow these five simple rules, you'll build your brand and a legion of loyal followers that will buy your stuff. If you buy traditional media, you'll end up with no responses, no followers, no brand, and no sales. And that sounds like a bummer. This week, the man behind navigation app Move It accepted investment from Hollywood actor Ashton Kutcher and music manager Guy Osiri, even though he didn't need their money. He had another motive. Kutcher and Osiri have also backed companies like Uber, Airbnb, Spotify, and a bunch of other successful success stories. And they've got a very strong understanding of media and supporting these companies. For example, Kutcher helped Uber take on the mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, and Kutcher also helped out Airbnb when it was going through a period of bad press. Now, Move It was well aware that the pair has vast social media following and that Move It could draw on this to build out its own user base, which currently sits at about 30 million. But bear in mind, Kutcher, for example, has just on 18 million followers on Twitter on his own. And Kutcher's on the hunt for hyper-growth companies that are not only heading for greatness in size, but that are also tackling real-world issues. And as you probably know, Move Its mission is to make public transport a first choice for people right across the globe. So we can cut back on individual car usage and make, making cities smarter, and that sits well with their vision to invest in game changers. <laughs> Remember those World War II posters? Uncle Sam wants you. Well, if you're a highly talented techie, the White House still wants you, and it's recruiting the country's top tech talent. After rebooting the travel, troubledhealthcare.gov, site by bringing in a small task force from the private sector. I think they're from Google and Apple and Twitter, if I remember rightly. The uh, White House decided to parachute top tech talent into high-impact projects like the Affordable Care Act, Veterans Affairs, Social Security, Student Loans, Immigration and other problem issues. 
The task force is now known as the United States Digital Service, USDS, and 18F, which is another government entity that fixes tech problems, builds products and consults for government agencies that ask the team for help. Then if they've got this whiz-bang of digital talent, how come ISIS seems to be blowing them out of the water right at the minute? The White House plans to hire 500 tech recruits by the end of 2016, and demand for USDS and 18F support are 20 times higher than what they can currently handle. Since President Obama mandated the government's tech overhaul, 250 tech recruits have been hired and 75 more are on the way. Recruits come from all over Silicon Valley. Josh Miller, who was formerly a product manager at Facebook, is now Director of Product at the White House. David Recorden, who was Facebook's Engineering Director, is now the White House Director of Information Technology. And Mikey Dickerson, Administrator of the USDS, is ex-Google. You know, the government can't compete in terms of compensation packages with Silicon Valley, you know, who give all sorts of benefits, um, like, uh, you know, they have massages and they have personal chefs and they have, you know, it's beautiful and sunny some of the time in Silicon Valley and it's bloody cold and freezing and snowy in Washington. And... Uh, in Silicon Valley, they also get, you know, free dry cleaning and free health care and everything else. But not with the government. But think of it this way. You can actually put your engineering, your designing and your project management skills to work for a bigger and better cause. Uncle Sam. Anybody convinced? Hmm. So if you're not a member yet of the American Institute for Sales, Marketing and Management, which, you know, it's the premier organization for business in the US, and if you're serious about improving your skill level, improving your status and your network, which is extremely important, and having an unlimited access to information, you should join today. Apart from being able to put AISMM after your name and receiving a great plaque for your foyer or boardroom, there's a wealth of the latest information, complete business audits, webinars, and an advisory board like no other on the planet. There's an advisory board of 15 categories, and uh, there's two people in each advisory board in each category, which makes 30 altogether, and they're unbelievable. For example, in music, you've got Scotty Page, uh, ex-Pink Floyd, Toto, and Supertramp, and Freddie Ravel, who worked with Madonna and uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. So, you know, it's one hell of a advisory board, and it's there if you've got any serious questions. So if you're interested in joining, go to AISMM.us, that's AISMM.us, and join now. Now, before founding social media agency Jumpwire Media in 2009, my guest, Gavin McGarry, worked for Skype-funded video web startup, Juiced. And he was head of cross-platform business development at global media company Endemol, which, as you know, is huge. Jumpwire was selected by Fast Company as one of the 10 most innovative companies in media today. Joining the likes of Huffington Post and Twitter, they've achieved extraordinary results in social media strategies and they develop brand equity and generate revenue for clients like 
Stars, Yahoo, Virgin Radio, BBC, Toronto Star, Bell, and a whole bunch more. Gavin's a great guy. So, I'm Bob Pritchard, coming at you from Voice America Business Channel, and I'll be back after this short break with my mate, Gavin McGarry. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. This is where we give you an insight into the lives of some of the world's most interesting and successful business people. We look at the services they provide and what makes them tick. You know, it's extremely difficult to create a successful business and we all need all the help we can get. And that's why I'm always recommending that no matter what business you're in, you get mentors. Get yourself some mentors. People have been out there and have done it and have been successful and you'll cut a lot of corners and will save you from a lot of grief and heart-wrenching mistakes. And it's also important to listen to people that... um, We interview and read books so that you can get a much better idea of how people address the challenges that they faced in their businesses. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people who uses social media. However, I'm always amazed at the extraordinary results that some people get. You hear about people who generate millions of followers and generate millions of dollars, and I, for one, would love to know how they do it. Then a few weeks ago, I saw Gavin McGarry give a presentation at Metal, which is an organisation I belong to in LA, which is just phenomenal. And I was really blown away. All of a sudden, I, I got a grasp of just how much planning and strategy it takes to get those great results. And immediately after the show, after the presentation, I invited Gavin to be on the show. Now, before founding social media... Before founding social media agency Jumpwire Media in 2009, Gavin worked for Skype-funded web video startup Juice and was the head of cross-platform business development at global media company Endemol. Now, Jumpwire was selected by Fast Company as one of the 10 most innovative companies in media, joining the likes of the Huffington Post, which I don't miss ever, and Twitter. They've developed extraordinary results in social media strategies that develop brand equity and generate revenue. The company's built over 30 social media ecosystems for many of the largest media companies in the world, and they've got a list of clients that reads like a who's who. Now, Gavin's been working in the media space for over 25 years. He's lived in Japan, Africa, and Europe, learning and understanding the global digital space. He speaks at media industry conferences around the world, such as MIPCOM, International Institute of Communications, Harvard Business Club, etc. So I'm very pleased to have Gavin McGarry from Jumpwire Media here to talk about how to build a social media presence for your company. Hi, Gavin. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. 
Hey, Bob. Thanks for, thanks for having me on the show. I was... Um I learned a hell of a lot during your presentation at Metal, and uh, I must admit that I suddenly realised where why the odd tweet <laughs> and the odd Facebook post doesn't have money flooding in the door. Um, now, entrepreneurs are constantly being told what a wonderful vehicle social media is for developing business and for customer service and research, etc. But like any media, it seems to be pretty difficult to master. Um, now, entrepreneurs all lack time and they're all really mm. focused on their business. So why should they even bother with social media? Is it just a distraction that's not going to move the company forward? Or is it a case where you really do need to go to somebody like Jumpwire or a professional organization to do your social media for you? Well, you know what? I think the most important thing is to set your objectives. So this is what the number one sort of failure that we find is that many people don't really understand social media and they've learned social media through their personal sort of yeah. escapades. Right. Let's just say like they have a Facebook profile, they have a Twitter account, they may use Instagram, and these are all personally. Now, the difference between social media for personal and social media for professional are two totally different things. Right. Number one, many people use social media for marketing and at Jumpwire, this is not necessarily true across everyone. I'm just telling you what Jumpwire's philosophies are and what our um, um, sort of play of the land is like what we believe in. And what we believe in is social media is not for marketing. Social media is for community building. So the first thing to think about is that Think about fans, like who are going to be the fans of your business? Who are the people that are really, really going to want to be buying something from you? And what are you offering them? That's number one. Right. Um, and then number two is is ensuring that you have um, a really good presence, right? So the, the, the basic things that we tell people is that, you know, focus on LinkedIn first for you yourself as an entrepreneur. LinkedIn is really growing quickly. Um, it's extremely, uh, it, it's a great platform for, for really engaging with people and being able to determine whether or not something is working. And it's a great way, you spoke about mentorship. It's a great way to get and find mentors, but also to determine whether or not people really um, are engaged with your business. And the reason why I say this is, is it's sort of, you know, it, it's sort of twofold. One is that when you reach out or you ask questions on social media, you get lots of response. Um, um, we just find on Twitter, we, you don't get as much uh, engagement as you do on LinkedIn. And the best way to get engagement on LinkedIn is by asking questions. But more importantly, it's taking a step back and saying, I have my LinkedIn profile. Who should I allow to link in with me? Now, I have my own little policies, and each one is different. But for me personally, I don't link into anyone unless I've met them personally. Okay. So if I've actually met them personally, then I link into them. Um, yes, I'm sure there's maybe, you know, 4% or 3% of people that I haven't met personally, but I've maybe had a phone call with. But I try and limited my LinkedIn to me, and I have like twenty over 2,500 contacts, which is not that many. But... Um, I, I know that when I ask questions, I've actually met these people. I think that they're 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 a, an important part of my um, my community. And when I ask questions, I get really great feedback. So that's one strategy. And many of the strategies I'm talking about today are things that we use at Jumpwire for our own business. Right. The sort of the the second question that a lot of people sort of ask me about is, you know, well, what should I be doing for my business? What should I be doing for social media for my business? And, you know, most people approach us around social media, but I would say that your number one thing to start off with if you're starting a business is email newsletters. Okay. Email newsletters are one of the most important things that you can cultivate. Um, it allows you to communicate with people regularly. People generally open them if you have really good content. Um, if you use something like MailChimp, um, for example, you get lots of data back um, about who's opening it. And... At this point in the world, generally everyone uses email. There's a next generation coming up behind that don't use email at all. But, but generally, you know, email is, is the fax of the 21st century. Okay. Everyone had fax machines, now everyone has email. Right. So we start with email first. Yep. So, and then we look at, oh, sorry. No, no, go on. Then we look at social media overall, and you want to build a little ecosystem. 
And for us at JumpWire, it's really twofold. We look at you being efficient and effective. What's the most efficient way for you to be effective? Now, if you can only choose one platform and you're so, you know, you've got a, a small company of maybe five people or maybe under 20 people, how can you be most efficient? And we would say, you know, email first, then Facebook, and then LinkedIn. So you want to make sure that your company has a presence on Facebook because that's the public internet now. Right. And as you saw in my presentation, really what I talk about is, people, well, what about my website? Should I have a website? I'm like, no. You don't necessarily need a website. Unless you're selling something, I would say you don't necessarily need a website. We're actually debating inside JumpWire at the moment whether or not we should even have a website. The reason okay. is, is that the entire... The, the people that you want to reach for the most part that are spending money for most businesses, this is not every business, but for most businesses, everyone's on Facebook. So you want to be on Facebook for sure. That can be your website, right? That's, you can buy a URL, jumpwiremedia.com. I can redirect it to a Facebook page. And in general, most people will be able to see that Facebook page because they have a Facebook account. If they don't, then that's a problem. Now, there's people that talk about, well, it's not that, you know, it's limiting. It really depends on what your business is doing. I'm just telling you what we're working on from our standpoint because every okay. business is different. Yeah. So, and then you want to focus on having a LinkedIn page. And once you have a Facebook and a LinkedIn page, that's pretty much your social media. Now, it really depends on, it because the reason is that Facebook, you know, 1.2 billion people, monthly active users, eight, 790 daily active users. So, I mean, the reason why we go to Facebook is not because, you know, Facebook is great or anything like that. It is good, but everybody is on it, right, right. for the most part. Everybody's yeah. on it and out of all of the social networks. The other reason is, is that what we're seeing right now is that 61% of the traffic that is hitting your website is non-human. So there's a recent yeah. report, you can, you can Google it, uh, in the Atlantic, yeah. around 61%. So that means that if you've got that many people coming to your Facebook, to your, your website. Uh, website that aren't really human, well, let's take a look at the social side. So how many people on Facebook and Instagram are not who they say they are? Well, it's only between 10 and 12%. Okay. So you can now see the reason why we recommend people start in social first and then build a website. Who are these people that, that go onto your website? I mean, if they're not people, what are they? So they're bots. Um, they're, it's all sorts of non-human traffic out there. They're web crawlers. They're, um, you know, they're, they're Google. They're, you know, they're people that are pinging your site all the time. Um, but they're not really, it, it's just machines. It's, you know, it's, we call it the semantic web, right? And it's machines talking to machines. So they're pinging your website um, for whatever reason, trying to get information, trying to grab things, um, all that sort of stuff. You know, that, that's happening all the time. And it's being registered in your analytics. Okay. And there was a company that did a, a huge amount of research into this and found that, you know, on average, 61% of the traffic coming to you. So let's just be conservative and say 50%. So if you've got 1,000 people coming to your Facebook, uh, to your, I'm so sorry. Okay. So if you've got 1,000 people coming to your um, website, Eh, only 500 of them are, uh, might be humans. Sheesh. Okay. And you say that um, you only have on your uh, LinkedIn um, connections only people that you've met or know. Um, how, how can you use that to build a business? If Because how many people can you actually physically meet? Don't you, in most businesses, aren't you trying to get out to as wide an audience as possible? Um, or do you use Facebook for that and use LinkedIn for something different? I mean, it's really difficult because it depends on each business. Sure. So, you know, it really depends on the type of, you know, what are your objectives? Are you a company that is selling, you know, widgets? Um, so, for example, like let's just use JumpWire. JumpWire, we are a B2B business. It means we are a business-to-business. -business. Um, we don't really deal with consumers, right. um, you know, directly like someone like a Virgin Mobile, maybe Wood, or a radio station. We deal with um, B2B businesses. So for me, that's why LinkedIn is really important because most of our, our referrals come from two ways, right? One, I'm actually, I go speaking and people see me speak and are like, hey, I'd like to work with that company. Or there will come a referral through someone I know or a client we've worked with. So that's why, why LinkedIn is very important for us. 
as is Facebook to some degree, but we've done lots of testing around B2B business and we find that, you know, emails, newsletters, and our podcast and our LinkedIn are probably the way that most people find out about what's happening at Jumpwire and maybe the way that convert for us. If you're a B2C business, then you're going to want to, for example, if you're a media company um, and you're, uh, you know, you're going to consumers, you definitely want to be on Facebook because everybody's on Facebook that you want to reach out to. And it's a great way for you to hyper target and reach out to them and convert them. The other thing is, too, is to determine what you're selling. You know, what you know, what is your ARPU? So what's your average revenue per user? And, and how much, you know, how much is each user worth to you and how much are you willing to spend to acquire that user? And that, you know, most people say, well, that's more of a mobile thing. Why would you even bother? But I think that every business should be doing this because then once you start, you know, we track all of our data. When I go to a conference, I know how much the conference cost me. I know how many clients I got from that conference. And I know what the conversion rate to actual clients are from that conference. And therefore, I can make a distinction as to whether or not that conference was worthwhile for us to spend uh, to be there. And so the, the main, I guess, the thing around social media is that it allows you to track a lot of data. And, it, you know, the, the, this is, we're in a, you know, it's it different businesses now. And this is another reason why many people are like, well, I don't need social media for marketing. And I'm like, okay, let's put the marketing thing over here. Forget about marketing. Let's think okay. about all the reasons why you would use social media. First of all, uh, for employee retention. So this is for any business out there. So for employee retention and new employees, if you don't have a good social media presence and you're a bigger company and you want to hire young millennials to come and work at your company, if you have, if your Twitter was last updated eight months ago, they're going to say, wow, these guys really aren't on top of it. Is this the sort of company I want to go into? Even at Jumpfire, there's some days we don't update our Facebook page or, you know, or, or Twitter. And I get really worried because, you know, we're constantly hiring people and we want to make, we're supposed to be a social media company. We got to be really good at this. So we got to keep on top of it. That's yeah. number one. But it, and it's good for retention too. It's a great way um, if people, if your brand is top of mind out there and people say, oh, you work for Jumpwire? You know, I get a lot of the people who work for me saying, oh yeah, people really like Jumpwire. It's really important for that. The other thing is data. When you're looking at data, you can constantly, so if you've got a Facebook page, you get something called Facebook Insights as a free part of your Facebook page, which is great. It's all the data. So okay. if you go out and spend, uh, spend $1,500 on Facebook, then you, you, you get 1,500 people who like your Facebook page. You're able to go and see like who those people are. So are they males, 25 to 35? Who are the people that like your page? Who are the people that keep coming back to your page? Where are they located? Um, you know, and lots of examples. For example, we did a, a, a music, we had a music client. And we were able to build up his Facebook page and show where his next tour should go by looking at his YouTube traffic and his Facebook traffic and where all the people were located that really loved his particular brand of music. And we could say, this is what your next tour is going to be. He's, oh, that's wow. So that's data very cool. is very important. But more importantly, if you are a company and say you're just in the United States, so, so for me um, at Jumpwire, I'm like, all these people are liking my page or signing up for my newsletter. Where are they from? And what I can see is all sorts of things. I can see, for example, on the newsletters, I can see what type of, um, do they mostly use a mobile phone or do they use the, um, you know, a browser? This is the sort of data that's available to me, and I can make decisions based on that data for my business. And that's why it's important to have a social media presence. These are all the reasons that people don't think about. They just think about social media for marketing, and we just try to move that off. Okay. You also talk about um, how you can use um, social media for investors. How, how, do, how does that work? Well, from an investment standpoint, people are going to look at your company, and they want to see a vibrant company. And the only way it is to look outside of your companies by what you post on social media. So if investors go and check out your Facebook page and you, you know, you really haven't talked about yourself or you're not really talking about all of the new and great things you're doing or you're not engaging with your audience, investors might look at that as, as a way to say, well, you know, maybe these guys aren't quite ready or they don't really have as much growth as we hope. Now we've heard of lots of people who are hacking this. So, um, you know, on the black hat side of things, we've heard about lots of people who are going on fiverr.com and buying a million Twitter fans, right? Um, and, or going on fiverr.com and buying a hundred thousand Facebook likes. 
And right. trust me, we've been inside those companies and we have to try and fix it because, yeah, people will like the page, uh, but any sophisticated investor will look at it and say, well, what's your engagement like? Like, how many people are coming back on a regular basis? So from an investment standpoint, investors can use it like, you know, um, uh, lots of other people would and, and, and say, well, is this a viable com- company? Is this something that's, uh, that's interesting that we want to put our, our money into? And that may be a big part of what you're trying to do for your business. Don't we hear, you know, people people like me hear all the time, um, when you're putting things up on Facebook or on social media generally, don't talk about you. Always talk about other things or things that are engaged people. Don't don't make it a sell. Um, mm. Are you saying something quite different? Are you saying that you should use, I mean, if an investor is going to look at the site, um, while it might be good to look at things and, and what your interests are and how they dovetail with, you know, your um, your supporters' interests, but you're not really selling much about yourself, are you, or your business, or is that just a fallacy? Uh, it, it's a little bit of both. So for us, we believe in high frequency posting, and it sort of takes us to the next part of our discussion, which is like, how much should you post on your social media if you decide to have social media? So for us, you know, many of our clients, because they're media clients, are posting upwards of 50 to 80 times a day on their Facebook pages. Right. And people are immediately shocked by that. Like, wow, what would you possibly do? How could you possibly do that? We think, you know, you should be posting 10 or 12 times a day um, if you can, um, depending on how you're using Facebook to what, what you want to reach. On LinkedIn, we generally do, you know, a couple in the morning, a couple in the afternoon. We'll help you out as well, too. But high-frequency posting so that everything's not going to be about yourself. If you only put up one post a day and it's always about your company and you're using it as a way to push out PR, um, okay, probably no one's going to see it. But, you know, if people go to your Facebook page, they'll see a bunch of stuff about you. But, no, you, you really want to show that you're an expert in the field that you are. So if you have a business that's in dry cleaning, people say, well, why do I need a dry cleaning page? Because I... You know, most people use dry cleaning. Sure. And if I was looking, if I liked my dry cleaner's page, what would I expect to see from that? Obviously, I would expect to see that they're an expert in dry cleaning. So right. I'm like, if they're putting up things around how to, you know, how, how to make, you know, how often should you dry clean your shirts? Well, that's something I would love to know. Like, how often should, how often is too much? You know, uh, or related to dry cleaning around chemicals or related to um, uh, clothing. Like, maybe they do a whole theme on, on uh, fabrics. It's okay. about keeping your brand top of mind. And so, yes, back to your question, which is like, should I, you know, talk about myself? Or To a certain extent, you want to be able, you want to, be able to talk to yourself I'm sorry, not talk to yourself, talk about yourself on your Facebook page, but you don't want to be doing it in the ways like, hey, come and buy from me. That's what I talk about social media marketing. It's like, hey, 20% off, here you go. Or here's like, come and do that. People don't like to be sold in their Facebook feeds. It's where you usually have your family and your friends and you wouldn't want, and we look at it like your home. You wouldn't want someone walking into your home and saying, hey, here's 20% off in your home, right? Right. You want to sort of gently use um, social media to move people to a place where they expect to be sold to. And this is in email newsletters or on the internet. People expect to get sales pitches there. But on social media, we find that right now it's moved towards community and we, you know, people prefer not to be, I mean, the number one complaint for Facebook right now is too much advertising. Too much. Right. So, you know, that's, that's how we look at it. What about, you also mentioned um, press, media. How, how, how do you use social media to develop relations in other forms of media? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, there, you can on Twitter, for example. Twitter's a really great way to engage with journalists because Twitter probably did the best job out of any of these platforms in um, having a really strong strategy around the media when they started off. So every journalist is on Twitter, and what you can do is you can just go at, like say I was a journalist, at Gavin McGarry, which happens to be my Twitter. You can say, at Gavin McGarry, um, hey, we just got a new launch this week about some new packages that we're putting out for social media. You should check them out. Here's the link. So that will directly appear to my feed. That's the way you can reach out to journalists quickly and efficiently on Twitter, or you can uh, direct message them, DM them. 
Um, so there, that's how we use Twitter. If we need something to get out, we, we, you know, we'll, we'll push something. We'll actually use it as a way to connect much like we would do an email. The thing is with email right now is that, you know, journalists get thousands of them a day or, you know, two or 300. So it's really about differentiating yourself, you know, learning about the journalists. If you find out that they're heavy on Instagram, you might use Instagram to, to contact them. But quite frankly, I mean, journalists are, are great, but you know, we all know what's happening with sort of print and other things is that, you know, it's, it's not getting that much traction. Not, not, right, right. not as much as, not as much as a hyper-targeted Facebook ad campaign might get you for $2,000, for example. Okay. So I'm, I'm running a small business. What platform should I focus on? You know, there's, there's a dozen probably that are, mm-hmm. that are most popular. Which are the ones that I should focus on and, and how should I use each of them differently? Hmm. Well, it really depends on how you want to approach what your objectives are. So what are your objectives? Okay. If, I, if I'm trying, let's say I'm trying to, um, I'm actually trying to sell somebody something. I've, I've got a product and I want to sell it. You're saying that right. I should use Facebook to get awareness and then use um, uh, newsletters and to get, um, to get sales. Yeah, I mean, we would use um, yeah, and, and that's a really good way. If your if your product is a consumer product and you want to reach out, then yeah, you would use Facebook first, but not Facebook only. And then you would get them to sign up to a newsletter, and you would say, "Listen, is there an opportunity for us to, um, you know, we've got a sale on, or here's a coupon, or um, is there a way to connect with you in a better way?" And send them really great content. And it really comes down to the type of content being creative with the content that you're sending out to people. If you're selling some sort of widget, instead of just saying, hey, buy this widget, it's coming up with a creative campaign that is going to allow people to say, hey, well, this is this is a widget that I absolutely want and I want to tell my friends about it. We actually haven't talked a lot about word of mouth, which is still huge. You know, people learn about things and then they try it and then they tell their friends about it through word of mouth, through parties, and that's really important as well, too. So there's lots of different, you know, levers that are uh, available to, to businesses. And social media seems to be a hot one right now that people want, you know, want to spend a lot of time talking about. But I would, I think we started off this discussion with you asking me about how important is social media to your business. And again, it really depends on your business, but it is, you know, a lot of it is becoming pay to play. Like you, you, you know, on Facebook, you, in order to get likes, you, you've got to buy those likes. Very few people will find you, um, you know, on, uh, on Facebook unless you actually do some advertising. Um, and that's where you can combine that with word of mouth where you can talk to people and say, Hey, listen, like our Facebook page, or we've even had people on the streets with some of our campaign where, you know, they, they, they're, they're just going up to people and say, Hey, to get your mobile phone now, you know, like our, uh, our Facebook page, not ours, but our clients, for example. Right. So the, the, the main thing is, you know, focusing on Facebook, making sure you have a good email, and then for yourself personally, looking at LinkedIn. If you can only do like two or three things, that, that's what I would focus on. Now, I, you know, I've been one of those people that for 20 years I've been saying that traditional media doesn't work, um, but, well, it no longer works if it ever did. Um, and there's no question that social media allows you to get one-on-one and personal with your clients and potential clients, and therefore... On that basis, it's more effective. But I guess my my dilemma is if I if I stick an ad in the LA Times, I've got the chance of hitting I don't know half a million people or whatever their readership is now. Um, yet on social media, how do I expand my universe of of people that um, I can reach? I mean, how do I? Well, aren't I going to need? Twenty million Facebook fans. Awesome. Well, again, it really comes down to your objectives and the product that you have, right? If you have a product that you know everybody wants and everybody needs, then the sky's the limit for you. There's one point two billion people a month. You know that you can do all sorts of great things. But how do you reach um, them? I, so there's Facebook has probably one of the best advertising systems. It allows for what's called hyper-targeted advertising. So what I can do is that I can, here in Los Angeles, I can say, you know what, and I've done this for Jump Wire. Let's just use Jump Wire, for example. I only want to target 
people who are 35 plus who are a senior vice president at a media company in Los Angeles that have, that are in either, you know, newspapers, uh, television, uh, media or radio. Right. right. And I only want them, you know, I, and, and the interest that I want is they have to have, you know, bought something uh, from Facebook in the last, you know, year so that I know that they're active on Facebook. Um, and I can hyper target that ad to those people. So this at only people who have, who meet that criteria are going to see this ad. And therefore I don't have to worry about, because traditional media, the big issue is that you're using sort of a shotgun effect, right? You're putting it in the LA time and there's all sorts of people that are seeing your ad and it's not relevant. So we've moved from non-relevant mass distribution to hyper relevant, um, targeted distribution of advertising. And it is, and we do this every week, I have to say, it's extremely effective. Like, if you really want to, we, we play a game at Jumpwire when it's someone's uh, birthday, we try, because we know so much about that person, we are able to target it, and we try and target it to, you know, their location, their age that they're going to be on the day, the interests, like what sort of books they like, what sort of music they like, and try and get the ad to show up just for that person. That's how hyper-targeted it can become. Wow. So um, if, you, if you're a small business, I know this is, re- this is a really sweeping general question, but if you're a small business and you've got 20 employees and you sell widgets, what sort of budget should you set for an effective um, social media campaign? Uh, that's a great, a great question. We believe that, you, you know, don't do campaigns. You need it to have, it's got to be like a garden. Rather than just planting a garden for six weeks, you need to have constant maintenance. And, and, and at Jumpwire, we have seen this. We've actually had to change our business, specifically in the social media space, for this reason. Is that people now, it's basically 1997 all over again, when everyone decided, wow, I need a website, yep. and they had to get an agency to do that website. Everyone is now realizing, holy cow, I really need to have a good social media strategy. And it's not something I can do for six weeks. It's got to be ongoing. So, you know, I would probably say you want to set aside between, you know, I would use the, the same metrics that most people do. You know, between 4 and 8% of your overall revenue should be going to marketing, right? Yes, um, yes. And a, a percentage of that, you know, we would probably say between 1500 and maybe 3500 a month um, should be used for a social media, you know, to, to engage with social media. Between 18000 and maybe 30000 let's just say, um, that you're, you're using to engage with uh, your social media. And that should be for all your maintenance, everything, like to take care of all your posting, um, everything. That, that should, that you should outsource that to an agency to take care of it. And they should be delivering you data once a week for 30 minutes, they should be saying, hey, this is what's really working and this is the content that we're putting up that's really works and they should be doing an audit for you. They should have a strong strategy for you. They should have objectives um, and KPIs that are all put together as well too so that you can hit those targets um, and you should be assessing it on, on you know, a weekly and monthly basis. But this should all be outsourced. You can have an intern do it. We've had many companies who said, oh, yeah, we've just got the interns doing it. We find that generally we get brought in about three months later because the interns, they're really good at doing Facebook for themselves, but not necessarily for the company. And we believe that social media is one of the most important parts of your company. Uh, and therefore, you shouldn't just you know hand it over to your interns. You certainly wouldn't hand over your sales to interns, you, would, you know, the engine of your company. And social can be a big part of that. It can really build awareness for your brand. It can keep your brand top of mind, not only with your clients, but potential customers, and it can reinforce that your brand is is a leading-edge brand. Okay, we're just about out of time, but what are some resources that can help business owners manage all their social media? Um, I would would think that you would want to, we believe in what's called native posting, so we believe that you should be posting directly to Facebook and not using um, an API, but there are a couple if you need them. Uh, One is, you know, uh, Hootsuite, 
which right. is uh, used mostly for Twitter. Most people have heard of that. Yes. Um, the other really, really good one is Buffer. Uh, Buffer does all your scheduling of all your, your Facebook, but you won't see the org- organic reach um, because it's going through an API. And anyone who knows what an API is will know that once you're a third party to Facebook, Facebook wants you to to post directly to Facebook. Twitter wants you to post directly to, to Twitter. You know, they all do. So when you go through a third party, you don't get all the bells and whistles that you would get on Facebook. So I would say those okay. are two resources. And then if you want to follow what's really happening in social media, I would look at Mashable.com. Mashable is probably one of the leaders in social. It's a great way to uh, know what's coming up next and, and what's important. Um, and they have a good overview. So those are some resources that I would throw out there initially. And I MailChimp for for um, of course MailChimp's uh, fabulous. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Gavin, yeah, thanks. We, we're not. I, I'm not endorsing them or anything. I'm just saying we use it and we love it. Yeah, we do. We do too. Gavin, thanks very much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, if you'd like to know more about Jumpwire, Gavin, Jennifer Harkness, who I've dealt with, and she is great, and the rest of their fantastic team, go to Jumpwire. So it's J-U-M-P-W-I-R-E dot com. And if you've got a business... Oh, no, 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 stop, stop. It's it's Jumpwire Media, all one word. Oh, JumpwireMedia.com. Okay, sorry. JumpwireMedia.com. Now, if you've got a business that's looking for... I know... I, I do a lot of speaking as well, and most people at companies that I go to say, um, you know, our people really need to understand about social media. And uh, if you know somebody that can explain social media, well, if, you've, if you're a good bus- business and you're looking for a great speaker that can make this really very clear on how you plan it, explain it, how you plan it, and how to use it, Gavin is fantastic and if um, you want to get in touch with him um, go to jumpwiremedia.com or contact me directly and I'll put you through to him this is Bob Pritchard and I'll be back with you after this short break from the boardroom to you Voice America Business Network You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs on the planet. Now, if you'd like to listen to any one of the 212 shows that we have done previously and the 230 or 40 interviews that we've done, then please go to Voice America Business into the archives and you'll find the past shows there or go to bobpritchard.com and we have all 212 shows available there, just go to the um, navigation line, click on radio, and they are all there. Do you have what it takes to become a great leader? The kind of leader who not only attracts people, but actually gets stuff done? If you want to achieve your true potential and become the leader that you're meant to be, you've got to start by being aware of exactly who you are. Here, Here are a few thoughts to help you whether you're at the beginning of your career or perhaps you're a bit further down the road, if you follow these directions, you'll find there isn't very much that you can't do. Firstly, you need to be more concerned with your character than your reputation. Your reputation's just what other people think. Your character is actually who you are and uh, Every leader faces challenges that require a choice between character and compromise. And every time you choose character, you gain respect. Character is the core of leadership. And uh, people who admire you and have worked with you um, will appreciate 
your reputation and your character for people who haven't dealt with you and their reputation is simply second-hand or third-hand or tenth-hand, screw them. You know, I don't care what people think about my reputation um, if I'm not doing business with them and if I don't care about them, I don't care. People will think and say what they choose to think and say. Secondly, you've got to be committed in everything that you do. To be an effective leader, you have to be absolutely committed. And this starts with a conviction in your soul. It inspires and attracts others. It shows them that you have convictions and they'll believe in you only if you believe in your cause. Commitment is really the responsibility of leadership. Thirdly, you're given two two ears and one mouth for a, a reason. I'm sure you've heard that before. You've got to listen much more than you speak. Communication's critical to successful leadership and people want to follow someone they can understand, somebody who listens to them. As a leader, you should listen far more than you speak, twice as much, in fact, and when you do speak, make sure your words are consistent with your actions and your character. Fourthly, you need to bring the best of who you are into everything you do. It's easier to admire those who are highly competent, but the reality is you don't have to be LeBron James or Steve Jobs to excel and be really successful. To cultivate competence, you need to show up every day. You need to always do your best. You need to always be honest. You need to keep improving, get ahead of the game where you can, and keep setting the bar higher. Fifth, As a leader, your dedication to your mission and principles must remain stronger than your desire to appease others. You must be able to rise above your comfort zone, to speak to those who need to hear it most, and to do the right thing when everybody else is apprehensive. Stick to your guns. Step forward in a bold and positive way. Number six, stand by your convictions. By definition, leaders are people who stand for something. Strong convictions precede great actions, and it's our convictions that call us to act with integrity. For those of us to whom much has been given, much is required. How you act, what you say, how you treat others, your convictions build the trust that leadership requires. Seven, concentration lets you get things done. It's a discipline that allows you to evaluate what's in front of you and set priorities and to do your job with consistent excellence. Number eight, you need to be clear in your vision. From the loftiest idea to the most mundane transaction, leadership requires clarity. And when you have a clear sense of your vision, mission and purpose, you draw others to you. And you know what standard to measure your accomplishments against. Clarity gives vision to leadership. Nine, You must commit to self-growth and to lifelong learning. That is critical. You've got to continue to learn, to continue to improve yourself, and uh, that's the only way you'll survive competition and manage change. Great leaders are always looking for ways to improve themselves and their team, and they never, ever stop asking questions. And number 10, when you understand that leadership, and life for that matter, is about relationships, You know the importance of living in a way that builds and strengthens connections with those around you every day. It's the trait that infuses all the others with meaning and significance. The best leaders make every action, every word, every moment, every relationship count. As a leader, you have the responsibility to keep those 10 rules and to understand the consequences of neglecting them. In the meanwhile... If you're not a member of the American Institute for Sales, Marketing and Management, join by going to AISMM.US. And remember that if you're not really pushing the envelope and you're not living right on the edge, then you're taking up way too much space. It's easier 
and much, much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard, and I look forward to your company again next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.